electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a special Dallas Cowboys, the star in Frisco, everything's bigger in Texas edition of Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How about them cowboys? Okay, not a conventional start to the biggest week of earnings season, but it works for me, and I want to make it work for you. Today we got a warm-up to what the rest of the week looks like. A lot of guesswork, a lot of thumb-sucking, and very little confidence that companies will actually make the numbers. In the end, the Dow finished up 66 points. S&P advanced 0.09%. NASDAQ declined 0.29%, although, as has been the case for weeks, the market was substantially lower midday, with the NASDAQ especially ugly. One of the reasons early season is so darn difficult is that companies themselves often speak only in positives. And if things go wrong, what do they do? They tend to blame the environment or the Fed or whatever villain they can make up that makes them feel like undeserved victims with stocks you should buy. But if I were a company CEO reporting this week, perhaps I'd take my cue from none other than Jerry Jones. The man who owns the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, has made them an institution, the most profitable team in America and indeed, perhaps the world. The qualities I heard from him today, humility, ambition, loving the headwinds, embracing the headwinds, are what you need to see from the CEOs of the companies you invested. And I mean need, because if you don't believe in management, you shouldn't own the darn stock in the first place. Sure, we can talk about the Cowboys as a team, although I am a Philadelphia Eagle season ticket holder. But to me, they're a corporation, a private juggernaut born on the back of oil and gas. Quincidentally, by the way, the strongest sector in today's market. You can't own a piece of the Cowboys as much as I would actually like to. Mr. Jones owns it all. But you can own a piece of his natural gas company, Comstock Resources, which he regards as the secretariat of his empire. And an empire it sure is. Built on a value he saw in an operation, the Cowboys, that when he bought them, was losing $1 million a month, and he paid a seemingly sky-high price that, in retrospect, looks like a pittance. Jones has a passion for football that's only rivaled by his belief in natural gas and what it might mean for the future of our country. He is a big thinker who doesn't worry about whether or not we're in a recession. He's not obsessed by the Fed, by quarter points. Quarter points mean nothing to this man. He makes his own breaks, and that may be the perfect jumping-off point to talk about how much I learned from him today about business and how you can apply it to stock picking. Especially in a week where, oh man, you need to make so many decisions about whether to buy, hold, or sell iconic American franchises. Which, by the way, really aren't that much different from the Cowboys in some cases. Especially given the NFL draft takes place at the end of the week and you're bringing in fresh talent. First, do you see a future for your company that others don't see yet? Oh God, I was, this man, I was in a helicopter with him for an hour. He sees things we can't. 
This concept brought Jones to the, uh, the idea that the Cowboys might be a platform. I know that's an overused term, but maybe a platform. There's so many phony platforms out there, and the real ones are hard to, hard to spot, but he did very early on. Let me give a classic example of what we can do, though. Did you see NVIDIA, for instance, as the platform for artificial intelligence, or do you see it as a gaming chip company? If you saw it as the latter, well, you were playing the short game. It was a long game based on AI. This is a week where you want the long game, meaning you can't let yourself be shaken out by short-term concerns. And Jerry Jones helped me with that. Jones would have blown out of the Cowboys billions of dollars ago had he just looked at the P&L short-term. And that first year, well, he could have figured it was a doomed enterprise. Ask yourself ahead of earnings. Do you have one foot out the door already? Because neither you nor management sees anything but short-term results and troubles. I can't stress this enough. Because there will be stocks like Microsoft or at Alphabet or maybe even Meta platforms, all of which report this week, and they have disappointed before, could do it again. Can you steal yourself? Can you take it? Right now, only Meta's Mark Zuckerberg seems to be doing the right thing. He's cut out what's hurting Meta, giving them the money, the cap space, if you will, to reinvent and double down on what's working. As for Alphabet, I know it is hard to see the value right now. You have to see the value that they don't in order to keep believing in this one through the earnings. I find it tough. I admit to that. Microsoft almost seems too easy. But remember, you aren't owning it for the present. You are owning that stock because its embrace of artificial intelligence might allow them to save their languishing search engine, bing, and make it genuinely competitive versus Google. I think they can do it, but you won't see it this quarter. Second, does your team embrace the headwinds or does it fear them? Part of Jones's outstanding success is not worrying about a recession, not worrying about the Fed. These are just potential opportunities because he has a lot of business connected with the Cowboys. When the other owners wanted the status quo for teams, he saw opportunities to extend the franchise via promotion. He owns promotion, like the facility behind me, all around me. These are all examples of making something out of almost nothing. Right now, he's a huge believer, by the way, in natural gas because it can spike from these incredibly low levels and become the worldwide fuel that it's currently struggling to be. We need to hear that because, boy, is it a tough time to own natural gas. So do the people running your companies address the recession as something that's going to be a horrible setback? I don't want to hear that. Have they used technology to triumph over the supply chain, freight, materials, labor issues, or do they simply accept their fate? Jerry Jones doesn't accept fate. He determines fate. That's the right attitude for a CEO. It's an investable attitude. Now you got to ask, can your management make the tough decisions that are needed? Today I heard Mr. Jones talk about the need to let people go whom he respects, whom he likes. Well, these, these are players who won for them. But he said they got too expensive to stay on. I wish that most CEOs would do the same. So far this week, only Mark Zuckerberg from Meta has the candor and the toughness to do what's necessary to save the institution, demonstrating a real need to win. I tire of CEOs who act like their teams don't even need to perform this quarter. The Cowboys need to perform every week with a passion I rarely see from business executives. And unlike a football team, those executives are playing with your money. So one thing you must know, does your management ever, ever, ever admit to a mistake? Or is everything perfect? Is everything tolerable? And there's no need to accept an error and, and pivot. Yes, you overhired badly during COVID. No, you didn't need to spend all that money. If you didn't see ChatGPT coming or underspend on technology, just own it. The shareholders will find out eventually anyway. So the draft does start Thursday, and we can learn a lot about how to value companies by looking at the way an owner like Jones, who also serves as general manager, evaluates young talent. Can you imagine if every CEO talked about what's in the pipe, gave us a glimpse of the future and who's leading the way? That would mean that there'd be pressure on the others who weren't mentioned. But I like a management that can talk about where 
things, things are headed. And listen, if you think it's taking sports a bit too far, the way I'm analogizing here, you're wrong. You know, I got my start as a sports writer covering Florida State, it was then called the Tangerine Bowl. I learned plenty about the business of college ball, and it certainly applies to what I see in the market today. So I'm telling you, learning from the pros is much more important. Bottom line, if you don't think you can learn about how to manage a business for shareholders, then you should see how Jerry Jones manages a business, the business of the Dallas Cowboys and all its accoutrements for the fans. His methods can help get you through earnings season with some temerity and some humility. It's a great combination for winning on the gridiron and in your portfolio. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Karen in Florida. Karen. Hey there, Jim. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. My question tonight is on Lyft. It's been down in the doldrums, but it looks like it's getting a new CEO, bringing somebody over from Amazon. Do you think I should hold it and let it turn around, or what are your thoughts? Okay, uh, John Risher is a tough guy. John David Risher, and I'll tell you something about him. The first thing he did was announce big layoffs, and that is directly about what I'm talking about. This man came in, and he is he's bitten the bullet, and that makes me inclined to think that maybe he's got something, something that can work, but let's do two quarters before we say it. All right, you have, you have to stay tuned for my exclusive with Jerry Jones, the businessman, and learn something about managing a business for shareholders. His methods can help get you through earnings season with some temerity and some humility. You need both to get through this week on a very special Texas edition of Mad Money. The energy sector leading the market today. I'm going to sit down with another person who knows natural gas and oil, the CEO of Kotura, to drill down into the space. Then my scooter with Southwest Airlines. Hey, the stock has hit another round of, cur- of turbulence. But we're going to find out how the company is really positioning itself for the long term. And how about those Cowboys? The legendary Jerry Jones talks to me about leadership, legacy, and football when mad money from the Lone Star State continues. So stay with Creep. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. While we're down here in the great state of Texas, we need to check in and drill down more on the oil and gas industry. And we know the price of oil has been meandering, right? But the price of natural gas has been obliterated. Now, earlier today, we spoke to Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner. He told us he's a huge natural gas bull with a giant investment in Comstock Resources. Now, I would like you to meet Tom Jordan. He's the CEO of Kotara Energy. That's an exploration production company we own for the Chapel Trust, in large part because it gets 59% of its sales from natural gas, where it is among the lowest cost producers in the world. This company is created from the merger of Capital Oil and Gas with Simrex, an excellent oil company with Permian Holdings since back in 2021. And it's got a solid 3.1% dividend and a huge buyback, having pivoted from a generous variable dividend policy. Tom, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be here in person, Jim. All right, let's talk yeah. about uh, what I think everyone really wants to know, which is can natural gas stay this, this low this long? And whether it isn't an opportunity for Qatara, or could it be the bane of your 2023 existence? Well, natural gas fundamentals look great. Uh, we did have a warm winter, as you say. Storage is above the five-year average. But if you look out long-term, long-term being three to five years, the story is terrific. You know, we're seeing a lot of new LNG capacity come mm-hmm. online in the next two years. Uh, we'll see with a little help from the weather at increasing demand. And natural gas is a terrific story. But at the same time, no one can make money. Even you, you're the lowest cost. Mm-hmm. And you can't make money on natural gas here. Well, we can now. We have a very low cost of supply, okay. so our, our break-even plus our cost of capital is is uh, you know well below two dollars, which is terrific. Yeah, so you know we, you know we we kind of hold our breath. That's why we right. have a healthy balance sheet, right. and and we've got uh, the wherewithal. But we're in the business for the long run, and and one of the things we've learned over time is you cannot stop start these programs without impairing your operational excellence and your cost structure over the long haul. Yeah, that, that's what I think a lot of people are thinking, which is, wait a second, why don't they just shut down natural gas and put all their money on the Permian? But that could be a fool's game. Well, it, it, and believe me, there are plenty of people that play that yes, game. Yes, they are. I know. That, that one, of the, one of the reasons that we formed Coterra and what we love is having that long-term luxury of being able to weather through the troughs. That, that was our core thesis in forming Coterra. And so we're, we're doing just fine right now. One of the things you did that I was most grateful of, and that's why we bought more for the trust, was you changed your capital return plan because the world changed. And you recognized the terrain was different from the map. If you could talk to our viewers about why that made more sense, it would be great uh, affirmation of what we've been talking about. Well, Jim, we're a science-based outfit. And, and we tell our organization, don't get ahead of yourself with conclusions. Look at the data and make observations from the data, and then conclusions. And so you wake up every morning and you re-examine some core principles. And what we looked and, and saw 
a, a lowering of uh, world supply. Mm-hmm. We saw an increasing demand as we recover from a post-COVID world. We listened to our administration in Washington call on the U.S. producers to increase supply. And we realized the world has changed, that we are, go- we are entering an era of energy scarcity, of, of a lack of energy security, and that the U.S. producer needs to re-examine. You know, we also, although we love paying dividends to our mm-hmm. shareholders, uh, we realized that it wasn't being capitalized in our share price. No, it and, wasn't. And, and that a buyback was a better vehicle for returning capital to our shareholders. We also thought, as we looked at our own asset base and our own share price, that the best M&A opportunity, the best acquisition opportunity, was in a share of Cotera. So we were, you know, we, we debated long and hard. But when we made the final decision, we were highly confident that's in the best long-term interest of our own. And that's the reason why your stock's been the best performer of the Mm -hmm. year, because people know that you think it's inexpensive and Mm -hmm. you'll put money to work where where your mouth is. Now, you mentioned about about the the landscape and and about being responsible. Your company is well ahead of, of almost every other oil company when it came to operating responsibly, well ahead of what the law said. How did you know to do that? It starts with an organization, and it starts with a culture around excellence. And, and you know, Cotera is one of many excellent companies in right, our sector. Absolutely. But we do strive to be good in everything we do. We have a very transparent culture, a very technically focused culture, but also a culture where we force ourselves to look at data and stand naked in front of it, however uncomfortable that may be. And so our, our focus on operational excellence, on environmental excellence, on management excellence, really is because of the dedication of our people to wake up every day and make this the very best EMP company in our sector. Oh, I think it, oh, we wouldn't be so big in it, I guess. But now let me ask you about Europe. It does seem that Europe's made some misjudgments. Uh, they're overconfident. They also shut down. Uh, almost everything is if it's sunny every day in Germany. 27% of the time is all that it's sunny. So you've got a whole continent that doesn't have enough. Do they recognize it? And isn't it possible that with our cost structure, uh, companies like you could save them if it's a cold winter? Well, I believe that we'll be called upon. If there's any lesson over the last decade or two, it's that magical thinking on energy policy is not a very good and prudent approach. And if you look at the parallels between the United States and Europe over the last 20 years, it's striking. Europe very slowly increased their dependence on foreign sources. They, they pivoted towards Russia as a huge single supplier. They banned fracking and shut down their own domestic industries, country after country. In that same 20-year period, the United States went from an industry almost written off for dead. Yes to roaring ahead with technology and innovation to become the largest energy producer in the world, give the United States energy security second to none, and lowest prices second to none. It's amazing contrast. I know which path I would like to see us follow in the future, but we'll be there for Europe. There are allies, there are friends, and we're not going to let them down. But you won't be there for New England because they won't let you. Well, that, <laughs> look, um, the, the, the situation with pipelines in the United States is um, difficult. How about difficult? Difficult is a good word, Jim. <laughs> it's also a consequence of what I believe to be um, 
political malpractice when it comes to energy. Fair enough. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Mr. Tom Jordan is the co-terror chairman, president, and CEO. It's a very large position for my charitable trust. We'll be talking about it again tomorrow and how much we believe in it. They have money's back after the break. Coming up, does the stock with ticker LUV need some TLC? Get your seat in the upright position. Southwest is next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What do we do with the airline stocks here? Even though we're in the midst of a tremendous bull market and travel, every plane's full, right? The airline industry hasn't been able to fully benefit. Texas brought just some major reliability issues, some problems with some of the planes. Exhibit A actually is Southwest Air, which had to cancel 16,000 flights over the holidays last year because of bad weather, technical issues. In fact, just last week, they had another tech problem that caused nationwide delays and disruptions. It's unfortunate because Southwest has long had a reputation for being the best-run airline, and I have always favored it. But with all the recent issues, can they really capitalize on the positive backdrop for all things travel right now? Let's check in with Bob Jordan. He's the president and CEO of the Dallas-based Southwest Airlines. Get a better read on the situation. Mr. Jordan, welcome to Mad Money. Hey, thank you, and welcome to uh, North Texas. Thank, thank you. Thank you thank for you. inviting me. Thank you. Now, we, uh, because you report this week, we're not going to talk about near-term numbers, but I want to be sure, first of all, have you been able to capitalize on what is a really an airline boom, uh, given the fact that you've had some technical problems? You know, the, the uh, demand environment is still really strong. So we obviously, yeah, we report earnings on Thursday, so I'm a little limited in terms no, of what I can talk about. But it's a strong, especially on the leisure side, a very strong demand environment. Uh, we've got a little bit of a, uh, of, a, of a headwind coming here year over year because international was really down last year right. and it's back this year. But other than that, no, the demand environment is very strong. But you mentioned it's the... The traveler is not necessarily the most lucrative travel. We want business travel back. Are you getting a lot of business travel here? We are, and I think a good indicator of that is we've talked about, you know, just in terms of our forecast, that our March uh, revenues here will be uh, nearly fully restored to pre-pandemic 2019 levels. And I think that that's a huge accomplishment. No, it's very big. Now, without getting again into the granularity of, of reporting, we know, we mentioned the flight cancellations. There was some news last week about some, again, right. some delays. Uh, has it, in general, uh, made it so that Southwest is no longer the Southwest we think is the most reliable, or are people still flying Southwest? You know, we've, we've got a 52-year history of being a terrific operator, terrific customer service, having the best employees, 
And, yeah, we had some disruptions. We had a rough one in December, but that bad week is not going to change what Southwest Airlines stands for. The issue last week, uh, we had some issues with a vendor-provided firewall. Uh, we have backups to that. It failed as well. We need a little bit of time to, to bring our operation systems back up, validate the data. We're always going to be safe. And it took us uh, about 50 minutes to do that, so we were ground stop for 50 minutes. We took care of our customers. Uh, we gave them the ability to change flights uh, with no charge and, or, or, or any issue. But, uh, but no, we were ground stop for about 50 minutes. Okay. Now, uh, some people, we had an airline pilot association person on CNBC this week talking about how it's just kind of, that's the way Southwest did it. They didn't spend enough. Uh, they haven't kept up to date. The systems are really old. Could you just update us on the status of your systems and how well they work? Technology, you know, that's my background. Technology is complex. Every company has things that are brand new. For instance, we put in a brand new uh, tech ops or maintenance system in the last couple of years. We put in a brand new uh, people or human capital system last year. You also have things that are in the middle of being upgraded and need work. So we're just like every company. We have systems all across the map. We spend roughly $1.2 billion on technology a year. We're actually going to increase that. It'll be $1.3 billion here in 2023. Uh, but no, we're not behind. We have things that we need to work on, but we are not behind in technology. And the point-to-point system, rather than hub and spoke, you're sticking with it. You like it? Yeah, it served us well. We it, we are uh, uh, the number one carrier in 23 of the top 50 markets in the U.S. Nobody provides uh, more flights uh, domestically here in the United States. And actually, restoring the network to where we were pre-pandemic provides more reliability, promote, uh, provides more op- uh, opportunities for our customers, more options. And it also provides more options in terms of recovering when we have irregular ops days like bad weather. Okay. Uh, how about planes? I mean, I, I've been somewhat critical of Boeing um, just because I think there are real snafus there that can, that are, you know, have, we don't want to deal with the government, but they have to deal with the government. Uh, are you getting the planes that you need? Boeing, like everybody, every company on the planet is suffering supply chain issues. And they, they uh, uncovered a supply chain uh, manufacturing issue last week. We're working through with Boeing what that means in terms of our deliveries. Uh, we'll be talking about that on Thursday, uh, okay. what, what, what impact it has on this year, maybe on capacity. Boeing is a terrific partner. And we need aircraft. We need Boeing. And I think they're just suffering, like all of us uh, have been, with uh, supply chain issues. Well, one of the reasons why I've, I have loved Southwest for so long is— We, we appreciate that, by the uh, way. Well, you Thank know, you. Mr. Kelly feels that. that I, one of the things that's very, that I feel there's an ethos, uh, a culture, and maybe it's because it's Texas-based. I think that it is a mecca and that you are uh, a different kind of company. I think a lot of the stuff that's happened, frankly, is, is bad luck. I really believe that. could have happened to any airline because every airline tells me it could. But tell me, talk to me about Texas being the mecca for business. Well, Texas, uh, you've seen all the companies that are bringing headquarters and business yes. into Texas. I'm right here in the North Texas area. It's very business friendly. Uh, we are a Texas headquarters, headquarters business. Love Field is our, is our headquarters, and we love doing business here. But, yeah, very friendly business state, and uh, all are welcome. And now, do you think that uh, people, I've been saying that people are, are uh, long on money and short on time post-COVID. Do you think that stays? Do you think that a generation has been changed by COVID and they want to travel and see the world before it's too late? 
You know, it is, uh, it's really hard to tell where all this settles out. I do think, I mean, if you look at the recovery, uh, services are holding up very well, especially right now compared uh, to, to goods in some cases. I do think travelers want experiences. Our customers want experiences. I, I think our younger generation travelers see, especially do. That's, see, and they I are willing it, yes. to forego other expenditures in order to take trips to, uh, to see things. And uh, we see that in the data. Now, I know the Federal Reserve's focused on how much airfares have gone up. I think when you travel, it's the hotel fares that have gone up more than airfares. Have you done any comparisons about who has had to raise prices and where you are versus 2019? We have, and I think that where I'd start is uh, you raise fares for a reason. Inflation is real. You know, if you, we talk about uh, just labor accruals, we have a huge number that is accrued uh, in terms of expected uh, uh, labor uh, contracts. So inflation is all over the map. I mean, it's in labor, it's in parts, it's <laughs> in suppliers. So we're all trying to cover our costs and, and boost margins. Uh, but no, I, I think that's really the driver. If you look at pricing, though, in the industry, and you go back decades, air travel is less expensive today on an adjusted basis than it was decades right. ago. And that's really what matters. I mean, it's just, and we can't live without you. We found that out. We have to keep, we, we're a lesser developed country if we lose our airline business. Airlines are essential. Exactly. Southwest Airlines is essential. Well, we we love our customers. That. We love our business customers. We love our leisure customers. All right. We all agree with that, too. Bob Jordan is president and CEO of Southwest Airlines. Band Money be back in the break. Coming up, get to the chopper. It's fourth and inches on Mad Money. Jerry Jones joins Kramer next. We're on the road today doing the show from the star in Frisco, the 91-acre campus that serves as the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters and Practice Facility. We're talking to a couple of local companies while we're down here. But first, we had to check in with our host for the day, Jerry Jones, the business person who is president and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, as well as a huge investor in natural gas through a giant stake in Comstock Resources. Take a look. Mr. Jones, a lot of people know you as an owner. I think of you as maybe one of the great business people of our time. You took a struggling franchise and you've made it into, into what we call Jerry World, of which we have Jerry World too. How did you have the instinct to take something that most people just took for granted, just kind of a trinket, and make it into one of the greatest businesses of all time? Well, uh, I think we have to go back to something very simplistic. I was so passionate and had the want to so bad to somehow be a part of the future of football. I liked other sports, played other sports, but football was my deal because I had to always call on myself to play. My trainer, Jones, I believe you have the lowest tolerance for pain of any kid we've ever had at this school. Get tough, son. Well, I said, well, Granny, uh, it hurts me more than it does the rest of them. I deserve a medal. But I loved football. Uh, as I mentioned, though, uh, financially, I did not see the thing that motivated me. Uh, had I known I was paying these coaches what I'm paying them now, then I might have got a little more motivated to go into coaching. But you saw the opportunity when others didn't. You saw the value. You saw, yes, promotion and marketing. And you were ne you're naked about that. You're, you, you believe. Yes, yes. It had the ingredients. First of all, it was underserved. Okay, 
the model was broken. No team, to my knowledge, was making money in sports. It was a hobby. Well, they, you made it a business. It was a hobby, okay. though. It was a hobby right. before that. The greatest PR, sports pages, uh, sports shows, uh, and then had the blood and the passion of the college scene. All was there, but they didn't have a system to get enough juice, right. marketing, right. to come back around and go again. And so it needed the marketing. The Cowboys were losing a million a month when I bought them. Cash flow. And I know it is the most lucrative team. It's the most valued team. And part of that is what I see here. You created a world. No one else has this. This is Disney World for football. We all know it. It's a mecca. How did you think about making a mecca for a sport? Well, I've always thought when I was uh, going to school at the University of Arkansas, where you won the championship. Where we won the national championship, which was inspirational. Okay. It showed me it can happen to you, too. But when we would practice, we would practice before two or 3,000 students, and they would be sitting on uh, uh, hills or little uh, knolls 50 feet from our drills. And, boy, I'd pull my socks up, and I'd want to win that drill almost like you felt when you were playing on Saturday. So the aura of getting into the game, what it took to have the game in close, excited me that that could transcend to a more, if you will, entertainment, which is right, the wrong word, right. almost the, like making love, it's almost the wrong word to use. Well, but it's, yeah, maybe but it, it's, like it's more than that because okay. it calls well, on you uh, to do something that's not natural. It calls on you to get in front of somebody physically, not out in front of them. Are you looking for that on draft day? Yes. I know you care about draft day. It's going to be right. This is where everyone's going to go watch it. No one ever thought to watch anything. Yeah. Now you get people to watch it. It's not in your tail, but they come. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about draft day. You can't see what you're really looking for on draft day. You try to go back and talk to their neighbors when they were in grade school. You try to go back and read their families and how they grew up. I really want people that care. I want them to care. Now, that comes in a lot of different ways. But it's hard to care about your teammate more than you if you don't care about something in your other life as to how you But I'm not hearing about naked raw talent. I mean, you, you wanted to transcend that. Talent's not enough to, work, to play for Jerry Jones. Well, let me say this. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, this would be a hell of a business if you did not have to play them football games. <laughs> you got to play the football games, and it's important. I tell our players when they come in, why am I here in front of you? Why am I talking to you about your background and your family? Because nothing works unless you execute. Nothing works unless you give it up. And I'm trying to motivate you. You should be motivated by the financial uh, possibilities that are here. You've been motivated by just your competitiveness. Combine that together, and you'll be a war daddy. Now, you understand, uh, you understand Dallas, and you've decided to make Dallas bigger than it is. I'm not saying you put it on the map because it's always a great city. But this is about Texas business, too. This is not just about football. Well, uh, football and Texas have always been synonymous. When I was in college in the Southwest Conference, Arkansas, the only schools we played were Texas schools. So in order to go someplace, you had to go to Texas. And so uh, kind of like what I saw over in Texas, they were kind of rough on you, but they had a great attitude. And, of course, uh, that has carried through. 
Football brought me to Texas. Okay. I did not see the huge growth and the opportunity and the uh, ethos of what right. Texas is about and the culture well, of business. And Elon but Musk I learned right? about it real Elon quick. Elon Musk is the, the ethos, right? Well, let's just put it like this. Uh, you uh, people will gnaw the leg off a chair here. Right. Young people, as well right. as people that are 70 years young. Uh, this is a great place, and it's a great place to have the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I used to think that maybe a center like Chicago or a center well, like okay. New York, and I thought about, boy, now those are areas that speak to a franchise, certainly an right. NFL franchise. I used to think about being at Gallagher's maybe after the game and sitting there talking a little bit about the Giants and having played Philadelphia. Let me tell you this. I got to Texas. And I started feeling this cowboy thing. And I started thinking and watching Friday night lights and right, Friday night right. football. And I saw the, uh, the coaching staffs that are on high school teams. The moms and dads are involved. It's in the blood of Texas. Now, there are football players here. Now, one of the things I want to make clear is that you are a nat gas aficionado. You understood natural gas better than anyone. It was the sustenance of how you could buy this. But you have a larger vision than that. You know, this one, you want to dominate with America's team. I know you call it that. I think I'm from Philadelphia, so that's a tough one to swallow. But you also see our country as dominant. And you want people to understand why that is. Well, one thing that I have learned is that headwinds, resistance is huge. Headwinds, resistance, it's like strength conditioning. If you don't have something to push, you can't get stronger. You want you, headwinds. I want headwinds. I look it up. And I you even don't try, fear and after, after I get there, I try to help create some headwinds when you're there. The point is that headwinds are an important ingredient when you're trying to look around the corner. Do you have headwinds? Is there a natural barrier? I think natural gas is like riding on secretariat when they're holding the other horses back. Well, hold on. This is supposed to be secretary. You're talking about that that might be worth more than the Cowboys? Well, I certainly feel that uh, the gas that I'm involved with, Comstock's involved with, certainly uh, has a chance to exceed what the Cowboys are worth. And frankly, what that, uh, what our sports but, part in the industry But is. only if it's unleashed. Only if it saves Europe from a cold winter. Well, That's the power. Gas, gas has always been much like football players. Availability. Availability. There's never been, in my mind, a question about the quality and what it can do. How about food? Try to save food without natural gas. Try to save products without natural gas, much less the energy that it takes to run this. So country. that's why you bought in the open market. You did not just take lo loans down. You, you're lock stock, Comstock. Well, natural gas to me is the question, the market for the natural gas. So the challenge is how do you operate when you're in trying times in market? Because you natural walk gas, away, do you stop drilling? Natural gas has, try, has trying times. No, you learn to operate during those trying times. You learn to operate at a acceptable, no. How about a real good rate so that when you get the spikes and you get the good times, you're sitting there with the goods. Jim, I've got one more thing. It has to do with a very important part of you is that head. And when you put it in there, slide it over to the side. Don't face it up. We don't tackle like that anymore. I want to present you 
number one draft day pick from the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I, wow, I am honored. And you know what? I will not let whatever franchise takes me is going to be in the Super Bowl. That I promise, Mr. Jones. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. I don't know if you're fast enough, but you are tough enough. Jeez, oh, thank you very much, sir. Appreciate it. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast-fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for a very special Dallas Cowboys deep in the heart of Texas edition of the lightning round of Mad Money. That's your take calls. Rapid fire. You say the name of the stock. Bye bye bye. Just be clear. I do not know the cause of the stock. Question that my staff is going to play the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's start with Jonathan in Pennsylvania. Jonathan. Booyah, Jim. Second time caller from Jamison, PA, in the heart of Bucks County. And. The number one best Fantastic investment I've made is joining your investment club when you started it. Uh, thank you. Very big talk tomorrow at noon. I want you on that talk. Let's go to work. You got it. Uh, we'd like to know what you think going forward of Jazz Pharmaceuticals and if their acquisition of GW Pharma was a good move. Thanks, Jim. No, I was actually not crazy about that. Why I wasn't that crazy about it? Because I think that we've decided, we've, everything's decidedly cooled, even on medicinal. So I think that they spend a little too much. Longer term, it'll be fine. I'm not panicking, but only longer term. Let's go to Tom in Illinois. Tom. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My question is, uh, with AT&T going down so much lately, the dividend yield is high. Do you think they may cut the dividend? And more generally, do you think the stock is worth holding on to or get rid of? Well, the company told me they weren't going to cut the dividend before they cut the dividend last time. So I think sell, sell, sell. Because I think on trustworthy nature alone, I say you're good with T-Mobile. And that's all I have to say about ATT. Let's go to Nick in Florida. Nick! Salutations to the Wizard of Boya in the land of Boya. Oh, I wish I were the Wizard, but that's great. Yes, let's go. Jim, I'm cooking. I What's happening? Disney, I think Disney with Robert Igar has the chance the potential to double in value. What is your thoughts, Jim? Okay, my Chapel Trust owns it. I, I can't. I would love to be as optimistic as you are, but I'll tell you one thing. Bob Iger versus that governor of Florida? My money is on Iger. Let's go to work with Andre in Florida. Andre. Hoorah, Jim. How you doing? This is Andre Florida, Port St. Lucie. My question is, JD.com. Year to date is down 38%. I, the only Chinese stock that I would possibly recommend it, it, is uh, it, it's Alibaba. It's just too hard to own the rest of it. Technically, JD. We're not done. Let's go to Mason in Florida. Mason! Jim, the legend. Hey, love this show, and I love to walk with you and David, or as my wife calls them, Fave the Babe. Hey, my stock is charged. Fave the Dave. C-H- Okay, we do not recommend any of these stocks that are losing money on mad money because we do not want to hurt you. Let's go to Frank in Ohio. Frank. Yes, I have Brazil stock PBR in my portfolio. Should I buy more? I am worried about PBR. After what Chile did just the other day with with, uh, lithium, I'm not messing with the Brazilian companies. It's too hard. Matt, New York, Matt. Hey, Jim, long-time viewer. Appreciate you having me. Uh, just one your take on the WWE acquisition with Endeavor. I'm not really an IPO guy, but this is one IPO I'm thinking of 
trying to get into. What do you feel about that? Well, I do. Endeavor is my agent. So you know what? I'm going to take the high road here and not talk about it at all. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, expect fewer 20% coupons to show up in your mailbox. Kramer on Bed Bath Strip to the Great Beyond. Next. Jim, I love you, man. I've been watching you from day one. Thank you for all the wonderful advice that you provide us. I'm learning so much watching your show. Watch your program every day. I love it. Always wanted to say booyah on your show. Thank you for being the greatest in the world. We consider you the money market maker, and we thank you for all you do. I love your show. I'm a long-time fan of your show, and we think it's the most entertaining program on TV. next few days, you're going to hear a lot about what horribly killed Bed Bath & Beyond. A formerly iconic retailer decided to wind down this weekend. You'll hear that Bed Bath couldn't compete with Amazon. They were doomed the moment the Seattle Colossus invaded their key categories, one by one, until everything was picked over with next-day shipping. Unless you were really jonesing for a coffee maker or desperately needed some clean towels, it was easier just to wait 24 hours to get the stuff from Amazon. You'll hear that Mark Tritton, who took over as CEO in 2019, wrecked the company by trying to change its image from a reliably cheap retailer with a coupon strategy into a more episodic place that nobody could figure out. You'll hear that Bed Bath had no management to speak of once Tritton got ousted last year. The whole enterprise was kaput. Maybe they could have dragged it out a little longer by selling off their popular Bye Bye Baby brand or rationalizing Harmon, their discount health and beauty chain. But that only would have postponed the inevitable. Well, there's some truth to all these explanations, I think the real culprit's something else entirely. So what actually destroyed Bed Bath & Beyond? I think it was slow-motion suicide. They wasted so much money on endless buybacks with no real innovation at the store level. And then when Mark Tritton had a chance to turn things around, his very solid plans got interrupted by the pandemic. Do you know that from 2011 through 2022, these guys spent nearly $9 billion buying back stock? Even as their stock kept going lower and lower, there aren't many businesses that can survive after laying $9 billion on fire. This may have been the worst average down in stock market history. Sure, Amazon had their best number years ago, but you know what? They've done the same thing to other retailers, and those are still doing just fine, maybe even sometimes beating Amazon at their own delivery game. The difference here is the geniuses running Bed Bath thought their stock represented tremendous value the whole time, and they just kept doing the same thing year after year in their stores, as if Amazon maybe was just one day going to go away. They invested in their stock, and they spent nothing on their business. Unlike pretty much everyone who's written about this debacle, I think Mark Tritton, I think he actually did a good job. The original bed bath about a mile from my house, so I was pretty much a constant examiner of the situation. It was clear there was no real strategy other than to coupon their way against Amazon. To his credit, Tritton tried to reinvent the whole place. I remember going to the company's new flagship store in Manhattan with the crew to see the top-to-bottom makeover. It was dazzling versus the Dowdy store down the block from me. Tritton explained to me that Bed Bath & Beyond had spent very little on any kind of technology, whether we're talking about tech for inventory management or customer relations or just knowing what was selling. I guess they thought buying back stock was a better investment. He had to replace everything, which was incredibly costly, but no one talks about it. At the same time, he put his considerable skills to work as a designer and executor of a private label strategy that he had learned at Target. Top to bottom, it was breathtaking in its freshness and its low price points. But then COVID hit, and who cared about what the stores looked like? Bed Bath had been spending fortunes buying expensive product, much of it made in America before Triton took over. Once he came in, 
Brilliantly, he outsourced virtually everything, mostly to China, which would have given him much better gross margins. Except the pandemic ended that, didn't it? Messed up the supply chain, but good. He couldn't get the product he needed. Too expensive to fly in. Trenton was caught stranded. None of the old and none of the new. So the customers disappeared over the course of the pandemic. I think it's insane to blame Triton in retrospect. Bed Bath was already a sinking ship when they brought him in. He knew that the company had to transform itself in order to contend with Amazon. And his strategy could have worked, but if not for COVID. By the time the supply chain was fixed, cash was running out and it was already too late. And that's when the bankruptcy filing became inevitable. In that sense, Triton was like a doctor brought in to save a dying patient. Sure, he failed, but between the years of wasteful buybacks and the pandemic, it's hard to imagine anybody else salvaging the situation either. In the end, the $6 billion in sales Bed Bath did last year will go elsewhere, ironically, mostly to Target, where Triton honed his skills before he joined a retailer that loved itself so much that it betrayed the very shareholders it tried to reward with reckless buying, not of good, fresh, competitive product, but of a very, very bad stock. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.